Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's top cop, he said that the um, 
that the um that the bullet was not intended for the young man but um that of his father who had a arrest record of roughly about forty forty three he had been arrested roughly about um uh, forty three times as some reports have um have stated so um a lot of people took issues as to how the um chicago's top cop dealt with it in terms of how he released the information um and whether or not he was jumping to a conclusion because again this occurred on july the 4th a lot of folks out there um and things of that sort and the folks are wondering how could you um how could you put one and one together um but um, that was last week's conversation, folks. If I'm interested in figuring out what that was all about and what some of the various uh, contributors had to say relative to that, again, www.m-tas.org, radio tab. Go back and listen to it. It's out there. Folks, today what are we talking about? Um, not really an extension of um, last week's conversation, but um, you can kind of connect the two. We're dealing with finding perfect finding perfection and purpose in a world of imperfection. That's what we're dealing with today, protecting your vision and managing expectations, right? Because uh, when you look at media and the role of media and the position of media, um, a lot of times we're dealing with um, the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers of information and how they tend to affect what we think, how we see things, and how we um tend to believe what we tend to believe about a number of subject matters. So um, as we have today's conversation about finding perfection and purpose in a world of imperfection, I want you folks to keep that in mind, protecting your vision and managing expectation, because uh, that's sort of what, what media kind of does, right? It um the gatekeepers of information, the way they report, I mean, they tend to choose, uh, pick and choose what we um, what we have knowledge of, right? What we have knowledge of, what's presented to the public, and not only what information and what um, different events or occurrences that, occurrences that the public are made aware of, but they also tend to color our perception in terms of how the information is being presented. And um, and how does that affect our expectation? How does that affect our expectation and how we see things, right, in this world of imperfection? Uh, how do we find purpose and perfection in a world of imperfection? And a lot of time, media find themselves reporting not only um, – Many times it's um, not so good news. Um, um, one, I heard one gentleman make reference to CNN. He said CNN um, stands for Crisis News Network, right? CNN, you get it? Crisis News Network. Because oftentimes that's what's being reported, right? Crisis, crisis in the world, crisis in our society, crisis in our country. So uh, what say you folks? Again, seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. press number one. We'll definitely get you in. But folks, what we're talking about today relative to this whole managing expectation and vision and finding perfection um, and purpose in the world and imperfection. One of the things that um, prompted today's conversation, I was um, reading this morning, and I ran across a blog on the Huffington Post, Ran across the blog on HuffingtonPost.com. Um, in fact, I posted it to my Facebook page as well as the MTAS page. And um, it's entitled Accepting Imperfection in the World of of Social Media, in a Social Media World. Yeah, I screwed that one up. Accepting Imperfection in a Social Media World. That's what this piece is entitled. And, um, Interesting piece, interesting piece, because, um, you know, again, um, as you begin to search and scan the uh, world of social media or you turn on the television, a lot of times you're you're just faced with a lot of um, not-so-good situation, right? Uh, police brutality, um, issues of racism, sexism, you name it. And, um, you know, a lot of times, sometimes the only break we, we often get is um, – Maybe the entertainment world, and sometimes crazy things happen in that world as well, right? And also what you tend to focus on. But this particular piece, accepting imperfection in a social media world, I thought it to be very interesting. It was uh, written, written from the perspective of a mother, of a mother who um, talks about how she had to learn to accept um, her imperfection and how social media, the role that social media plays in terms of 
in terms of shaping um, how we think and what we believe. And again, she came from she was coming from the standpoint of a parent. Um, and one of the things she said, I'll, I'll, I'll just share this with you briefly before I just point to some of her key. Her, her, her key thoughts or key ideas here. She says, as children, we learn that nobody's perfect and everybody makes mistakes. We learn that we will all make mistakes on the road to, to adulthood, and it's okay to make mistakes. What we don't learn is that we will keep making mistakes throughout our adult lives because our entire life is a journey and a learning process. Somewhere along my journey into motherhood, I forgot that it's okay to screw up every day multiple times. Not only did I forget that it's okay to be um, not to be perfect, but for some reason I think everyone around me is perfect and living life better than I. I think that's a key point. She said, not only did I forget that it was not okay to um, not be perfect, but for some reason, I think everyone around me is perfect and living a life better than I. She's a better mom. She's uh, more patient with her kids. She's more in shape. She's she's a better wife. She's more fun to be around. For some reason, I see my own faults as parents through a magnifying glass. While taking the surface-level appearance of others as an accurate representation of their reality. I hold myself to a standard of perfection while beating myself up even more by thinking that everyone else is actually in fact perfect. I think I know the ent- I think I know the entity responsible for this insane thought pattern, my mind, with a little help from the social media world. So, she makes the point that um that this whole idea of perfection is constantly being presented to us through media and now just by every just by holding that device that we choose to use for communication right uh we have a, a portable version of the media that we're constantly being bombarded with um image, images of um you know, perfection and things of that nature, and also images of images and ideas of crisis, crisis type moment. So you're talking about um, you're talking about a day and age where once it used to be maybe we had to go home, watch, turn on television, see what was going on in the world, but now um, in today's world, we're constantly um, in contact with these different images images and different ideas and she talks about how um this world of social media tends to have an impact upon her as a mother and she began to question um her ability as a mother and hold herself to a standard of 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 perfection beating herself up you know questioning whether or not other folks were um better at parenting than her um and that sort of thing she she goes on to say here in this piece and I'll come come to the phone lines briefly here having created a facebook account shortly after I got married I entered into newly married years and then my new mom years living in the social media world social media perpetuates the idea that perfection even in parenting is an achievable goal since most people only post pictures of perfect moments like the picture I included with this piece of writing there's nothing wrong with sharing nice pictures it's just essential to also remember that it only represents one moment of our lives in this instance we capture one moment of a rather messy day she's pointing out this picture that she posts with this particular article and um it goes on to say how if you look closely at this family portrait that her her son um he has a lot of he has some dirt spots on his on his pants but if you just looking at the picture itself and not in the mind not being trained to look for imperfections and things of that sort you just see this perfect family portrait and this perfect picture and her point is social media um, sort of kind of have that design leading us to believe that everyone is living as these picture perfect moments right and um and when you think about that how does that affect our expectations of life and what life is all about and how we should um perceive life um and um she makes um a, a number of points relative to um 
social media and its impact in terms of this notion or idea of perfection and how it leads many of us to live um, live a fascade, right? Live in a live, um, you know, have these false pretenses of reality and things of that nature and how you have to guard against that reality. Now, let's flip that a little bit, right? When you think about how she's talking about it from the standpoint of a parent and how you can look look out into media, uh, traditional media or social media, and come away with these different thoughts or, or ideas, the same could be true when you look to social media and you're constantly being bombarded with uh, negative uh, negative stories where the police is concerned, right? Um, you constantly, it's like week after week, month after month, if it's not, you know, it's Trayvon, Mike Brown, to now uh, uh, Sandra Bland, right? It's like it's continuous. And these seem to be the stories that media, not only media, those of us in the social media world tend to direct our energy and direct our attention towards. But here's the question. Is that the only thing that's going on in the world? And if that's all we tend to focus on and all we tend to discuss, how does that shape our understanding of life, of society, of uh, perhaps the beauty of life, um, and other things in which we can do to have a better experience of life? Here's one of the things she says here. Thank God I have honest friends, families to go to for support. What about people who don't have the real-life support system? What about teenagers who take what others present on social media as the full picture? There can be there can be disastrous consequences. I want to put out something authentic through my writings, not a fiscade that makes my life appear perfect, right? So, um there we have it, folks. There we have it. Sometimes, um, even living life, we tend to want everything to, everything to be picture perfect. Tend to be, you know, life uh, to be what is presented to us through media. And sometimes, media, as she points out, only gives us one aspect as to what's taking place and one aspect of people's um, um, true life and the life that they're really living. Right. Um, again, seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. As we have today's conversation surrounding um, finding perfection and purpose in a world of imperfection, protect protecting your vision and managing expectations. We want to look at the role that media is playing on. Um, uh, when it comes out to our perception and things of that nature, and um, and how do we connect that to what's taking place um, within our society in general where African Americans are concerned? Again, I pointed out the whole piece of police brutality and constant being um, met with these type of stories and things of that nature. So I want you folks to think about um, has media bias has it in their unfair, not unfair, unbalanced reporting created greater fear or loss of respect for police authorities and communities of color? Let's try that one more time. Has media bias, right, media bias, how uh, how information is being reported, and unbalanced reporting, meaning that we're constantly being presented with certain types of story, right? Has that created a greater sense of fear and loss of respect where police authority um, is concerned in communities of color? Think about that, folks, as we talk about um, this young lady and how she, um, her article, which I thought was a very interesting article and a very uplifting article. I just wanted to connect the ideas there, dealing with accepting imperfection in um, in a social media world. I want to make one last point, and now I'm going to come to the phone lines, folks, just to hear um, your thoughts about um, these various ideas surrounding um, uh, finding uh, perfection and purpose in a world of imperfection. Um, she makes one last point in this particular article, and I think this is an interesting point. She said, true connection, true connection, bonds and friendships apart from media can give us a better perspective or balanced view of life. And many share the, and many share the same struggles, although we would never know it if social media is the barometer. Striving for perfection is the enemy of experiencing true love and connection when we inevitably 
fall short of perfection, we move into a cycle of feeling guilt, shame, inadequacy, and unworthiness. Feelings that then leads us into a whole slew of other problems, addictions, dysfunctional relationships, unhealthy habits to numb our feelings. The real challenge for me every day is to accept my imperfection and realize my worthiness even with my many, many flaws. I have come to realize that social media is not going to aid me in my journey towards greater self-acceptance. I have come to, I have, I have, I have to close the laptop, put down the phone, and look inward and to the loved ones surrounding me. There, I can find meaning in the joys and challenges in my actual life. I am not perfect, and I don't have to be. Let me say it again. I am not perfect. I am not a perfect wife. I am not a perfect sister. I am not a perfect friend. I am not a perfect teacher, and I am definitely not a perfect mom. While life these days has been far from perfect for us, perfect is not what we're aiming for around here anymore. It's better. It's been better than perfect. It's been real. So, folks, as we um, have today's conversation, right, as we have today's conversation, let's think about that. Let's think about that. Um, And let's think about how we tend to look at the world, how we tend to lead our lives, and how we tend to manage this idea of notion or notion of perfection. And when we, even when we're met with media stories, how do they affect us, right? When we're met with the um, the dirt of life, if you will, the dirt of life, meaning um, um, if it's if it's black on black violence, police brutality, however you look at it, when we're met with the dirt of life, how does that tend to? Um, how do we tend to respond to those moments in life, right? Do we have certain response because of this idea, notion of perfection? We don't think that um, certain things should occur in our society. Certain things should occur in our community. Folks, um, what say you, right? Um, This lady, she had a very interesting way of looking at it. She looked to community. She looked to family for um, a balanced approach in understanding things and how she uh, began to interpret uh, interpret reality it comes in grips with um, how she process life. So um, how do you folks interpret uh, things as we talk about uh, perfection and notions of perfection, right, in an imperfect world? How do you find that social media tend to lead us to believe in this idea that um, that life is um, <laughs> perfect for everyone but us, right? For everyone but us, we're the only ones that's dealing with this. We're the only ones that's faced with these challenges. Um, and sometimes, as as being minorities in this country, sometimes um, that tend to be our perspective at times, right? Um, even when it comes down when you're doing business with someone of um, maybe African American descent, I've heard someone said, "Hey, John, give me a referral, but um, make sure that they're not African American." What is that about? What is that about? Is that the result of one bad experience? Therefore, you um, you color everyone that's professional or can offer a, a, a product or a service. What is it all about, and where does that come from, right? And um, does media um, play a role in that in terms of creating this image of perfection, that everyone has their act together, everyone has their stuff together, but not us, 718 Five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Just press one, folks, and I'll definitely get you in. Press one, and I'll definitely get you in. But certainly, you can find this particular article on um, Huffington Huffington Post, uh, and also my Facebook page as well as the MTAS page. Again, it's accepting imperfection in a social media world in a social media world. Um, Also ran across um, another article earlier today that kind of made me want to talk about this this story from this this perspective. It talked about uh, some of the challenges that exist among African American males in this society in terms of the disappearing uh, dis- disappearance of African Americans, uh, African American males um, from families, from families and things of that nature. Um, 
And um, and sometimes, again, you're met with these articles, and it's it's like, what do you do with all this information? Is this the only thing that's taking place? Um, And how do you properly uh, respond to these ideas and these these notions, right? Um, How do we find uh, peace and serenity in all... um, in dealing with all of this, recently, uh, a couple months back, we saw Eric Garner, right? He was the gentleman in New York who um, di- died as a result of, um, some would say, strangulation or, or choking. But uh, we recently saw that his family settled out of court for $5 million and things of that nature. But um, his response on film was, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not going to uh, settle for this any any longer. And, um does that often come from our personal experiences, or sometimes do we zero in not not only on our personal experiences but the experiences of others, and that tend to um, have a tremendous impact and effect upon um, how we respond in um, in various in various situations. So, folks, let's let's just think about that, right? How do we find this idea um, of um, Perfection, if it certainly it doesn't exist in the in the sense of how we understand it, but how has culture led us to believe that that's something that we should be looking for, even to the degree that uh, we don't understand ideas, uh, we don't understand when there's a bad apple, ap- apple, or when there's a bad actor in a certain situation, right? Certainly, um, all cops aren't bad. Certainly, all of them aren't good either. Or same thing in the teaching profession, or in my profession, the insurance profession, right? Um, but sometimes if you were to let media be your barometer and that or social media, as this young lady po- points out, um, you'll be led to believe that all of them are bad actors, right? All of them are horrible performers, and you should not trust them. I remember growing up, right, in a generation where uh, rap and hip-hop was really um, taking shape, right? And I, I come up in an era when uh, one group, NWA, said, F the police, right? That was its response to police brutality and things of that nature. And when you're growing up, you're hearing this kind of, you're hearing this type of um, ideas as being um, aired, as being broadcast through the airways. What impact does that have on a on a generation of uh, consumers who consumes the media? Right, all of us who pay attention to um, news, uh, read new newspaper articles, we're we're consumers of the um, of the information, and that has a tremendous impact upon what we believe and what we think and things of that nature. But folks, I'm gonna come to the phone lines right now. I'm gonna come to the phone lines right now um, and get your thoughts, views, and opinions. We have roughly about 32 um, 32 minutes left in the conversation. I think you can sort of understand where we're coming from, but definitely want to get your um, your thoughts relative to the subject matter. C three one four joining the conversation and weighing in. Caller, are you with us? Speaking. Sounds like sounds like that's Andrew joining the conversation. How you doing today, kind sir? Oh, I'm I'm in the world and I woke up. That's the best part. <laughs> well, certainly uh, you're here, and that's that's uh, that's a tremendous start, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. I know you've been listening in on the conversation, and um, I don't know how much how long you've been on, but I shared an article, and the young lady talked about the impact that social media is having on our idea and notion of perfection. Um, how do you see social media affecting uh, perception in today's in today's world of um, mass media? Well, when you look at media and its relationship to what's happening in the world today, it makes things become disseminated quicker, but the impact is no different on a micro level and a macro level. And I'm talking historically. Most people grew up in eras and times where they were in regions, they were in neighborhoods, communities, And those types of messages have been and were disseminated just like they're being done now, just on a global scale because of the availability of high technology. But the same similar messages were distributed again. Historically, even if you go back to the times when people were just hunters and gatherers, that information, those hierarchical things, the cachet, 
the, the ability to badge and to distinguish and separate themselves if you're the chief of a particular Native American tribe and you've got more feathers than this other person that lets that person know that they have something to strive for, to achieve for, and also puts them in a position to realize that they are not at the top of the economic scale. So people back then understood exactly what's being disseminated now. Again, we just have technology, and it goes back to the old saying, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Mm-hmm. So reading this um, reading this article and hearing this lady make mention of um, this, that social media tend to present us with this Picture perfect moment. Um, she almost alludes to the fact that we all we have to become a little bit more media savvy to understand that that that's only representative of a moment in a person's life. Would you say that, given the um, given the um, improve and increase of technology, it calls for the public to become a little bit more uh, media savvy in terms of um, being able to separate facts from fiction? Well, I, I, you can you can say that, but again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Where do you think the term "keeping up with the Where do you think the term "keeping up with the Joneses" comes from? That was before social media, because those same influences have always existed. It's relative to what time period you're talking about. What I recognize from that article with this lady is that she did not know how to manage her own self-interest, and she's trying to get a handle on it. And she wasn't that bright in the very beginning, and she's now trying to come to some aha eureka moment relative and to, relative to what's happening now, but she's placing blame where the blame shouldn't be placed. Again, everyone back to when people were just hunting and gathering had hierarchies and realizations relative to where they were next to someone else and through either through word of mouth in a small village that this was happening or this looks good or someone got a moccasin or someone was able to catch the squirrel that the other person wasn't able to catch. People looked at their shortcomings and imperfections relative to the other people that were around them. Again, now we have social media so we can broadcast it to a larger audience, but it's up to that person to be able to manage who they are and to manage their self-esteem, and hopefully their parents prepare them in some way and fashion, and hopefully she's going to be able to do that with her kids from now on, that she will not allow a trivial thing that should be a trivial thing, that she's making an important thing as social media dictate her self-esteem, her children's self-esteem, and what she sees as a reality relative to this world. That's her problem. Mm. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, but I'm sure you agree that certainly uh, we don't live in a vacuum, and um, media is a, a very powerful tool, and it's a very powerful tool that's used by um, uh, various corporations to move to move product, to market product, and uh, to improve the bottom line. So certainly uh, we have to at least account for the role that media plays in in terms of um, um, behavior behavior and thought processes. Andrew, if you could hold that particular point, um, I'm thinking about that. How do you how do you interpret um the role that social media is playing in communities of color in terms of shaping the understanding of uh, police brutality and police conduct? Do you see that it's seen it, it, it tends to be that um social media is is causing those images and those stories to move a lot faster than yesterday and therefore people are are are, are may maybe having a, a greater sense of fear where police is concerned in terms of policing and communities of color. Well, I'll give you two 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 looks on that. People they may not know how to optimize in serving their interests, but in general, people aren't fools either. They know how to survive. People have formulated when we're talking specifically about the African American community People within that community, but particularly in urban areas, in certain urban areas, they have formulated an opinion about policing, and that's been around for years. We can go back to the 50s, 60s. We can go back to the 20s and 30s, in the 1920s and 30s, and we will find that the African-American community had jaded 
perspectives relative to police and policing. What you have now is a new generation with an ability to, again, deal with technology to spread the words relative to policing at a quicker level. They are able to disseminate that at a quicker level. But it still doesn't negate the fact that African Americans have for a long time had this position about policing. This is not a new phenomenon. That's the reason we had the Watts riots. Again, it goes back to history, history, history. If people understood a new history and, and, and studied information, this, they wouldn't take the perspective that social media is a catalyst for this being a problem. Social media is the new thing relative to this generation, but is not new to what people believe policing was and is. They're going to always believe that because they will particularly take information, little information, and make a strong generalization of it. And I'm saying a whole lot of people will do that. Any identifiable group will do it. But unfortunately, at this particular point in time, the people who can least afford to take those general positions are African Americans, from my perspective, in my opinion, and they let that lead them to the point where things turn counterproductive for them in their societies and in their individual lives. Now, when you say jaded, now when you say jaded, did you did you say jaded position? Yes, a jaded position. Okay. Uh, now, now, are you saying that because it's not based upon uh, a factual reality, or um, how do you come to understand the position of um, as being jaded? Uh, the reason I say it's jaded because if you deal with the facts, we deal with the baseline facts relative to how police interact with people. There is very, there is a very small chance that something lethal would happen in an interaction with police officers, something physical would would happen with you relative to police officers, those are the outliers. Those are the exceptions to the rule. But with the media that we have now, the dissemination and the focus can be readily spread at a high rate so people can formulate new opinions to substantiate their opinions. You notice I didn't say their facts, their opinions. So they use things that are outliers to justify what they think is happening. But if they sat down and just look at the unified crime reports from the FBI, they will notice that out of all the billions of interactions, up to about 12 million, the last, right at 13 million, that in, uh, with interactions with police officers every year, African Americans probably account for maybe three or 400 deaths associated with policing actions. And most of them are criminals who end up dying at the hands of police officers. But the, our average Jane and Joe, Tamika, or Sally, black person, when they're stopped by the police officer, nothing generally happens to them. The police are doing their job, and most people, African Americans, are not criminals. And that's the thing that I think we have to get across, that most African Americans are not criminals, and, we, and most police officers are not out there to be barbarians relative to uh, to African Americans. They let Af- give them their tickets or their summons or whatever it is, and they let them go. So tell me this, there, Andrew. So do you find? Uh, I remember years ago listening to this um, guy. He was talking about in terms of employer type employee relationship, and that you should not always. Um, look to find, uh, look to catch a, a worker doing something wrong. You should also look to for those positive moments where you can actually uh, find them doing something good to give them those positive reinforcements and things of that nature. Do you find that media and um, the world in which we live in today it tends to constantly catch police doing something wrong? Well, again, I think that's uh, more of a focus from the people. People, again, thousands and thousands of Planes land every day. Nobody thinks about planes landing safely. But as soon as one crashes, you have a, 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 a segment of people who will say that I'll never fly again. We, it's unsafe. How could people fly? I'm nervous as can be about planes. But when you statistically add it up, your chances of being killed from riding from your home to the grocery store is higher, the probability is higher for you to get killed in that way of traveling than it is to fly. So people make this unreal, quantitative fact 
they take that and make that into a fairy tale, and they take the fairy tale and make that into the reality. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Folks, we're talking protecting your vision and managing your expectation. How do we find perfection in a world full of imperfection? I believe that Stephanie joining the conversation. We have roughly about nineteen minutes left. Thanks for joining the call. Hello. How we doing? How we doing? Oh well, I just have no voice. Okay, okay. Well, we won't keep you all long. Um, don't know how long you've been on, and uh, if you heard us re- heard me referencing um, an article from earlier um, from earlier in the show, um, and a young lady she referred to uh, social media in terms of giving us this idea of uh, perfection. Right, we're catching folks in a, a picture perfect moment, that sort of thing, and uh, we kind of moved the conversation on by looking not not only looking how social media tend to catch. Um, catch our eyes in that picture perfect moment. We also tend to focus in on the the negative, right? How social media, in the case of policing, tend to always catch police doing something bad, and that's always being reported in media and discussed in media. Um, so, how do you see that relationship? How do you see that relationship? Is that what's taking place uh, and the impact social media is having in today's society to always catch someone doing something wrong and focus us on the negative versus other things that's going right in our world? Social media is similar to what is going on with the news media. It's all information that is put out to a large number of people. And being that a large number of people are being able to get gain access to this information, you can actually use the information to screw, kind of um, screw, I can't say it, so if it's not like screw, I apologize. The, the, the idea of what they want, they can actually manipulate the public to believe in one thing. Um, sometimes lately, when I pay attention to, when I see certain blogs, that you have bloggers now, but if you go 20, maybe for about 30 years earlier, bloggers would not consider journalists. They were, they were more commentators and basically opinion-based individuals who put their information on the Internet. Now, bloggers are, <clears throat> bloggers are, um, excuse me, bloggers are individuals that are actually respected now as news gatherers and news, um, um, as far as um, information they put out. So the thing is, is that they, you have to pay attention to what is considered satire, what is considered information that is true, or what is completely commentary and opinion-based. And sometimes you can't tell, so most people gather just solely on the title and the visual that they show, which makes them change their mind and make them think a certain way before they even read the article. So right, right, right. It a lot about a person's view. I I don't know if I, we lost you or what, Stephanie, but um, if you if 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 we did, definitely don't hesitate to call us back there. Um, looks like you're having some challenges there, and it sounds like your your voice is gone there. But um, definitely, uh, we'll keep it moving here. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Folks, we're talking about managing expectation um, in a in an imperfect world, right? How do we tend to find this um, idea of perfection that the young lady was talking about, how social media tend to um, tend to paint this picture of perfection on one end and tend to focus our attention on some of the um, negative aspects of society on another end, folks. And that's what we're um, having. Um, that's how we, we're having today's conversation. Andrew, if you're still with us there, it looks like uh, we lost Stephanie, but we have roughly about 15 minutes left in the conversation. And I'm listening to what she's saying in terms of um, how some of the blogs, I meaning you have to begin to separate out what's, uh, what's, which blogs are really uh, written from a journal, journalistic perspective versus what are just opinion-based and not substantiated by any facts um, at all. And I think you kind of you pointed out that fact that um, media and social media in particular tend to um, 
a lot of times you see a lot of opinions out there, and nothing's based upon um, the facts. You pointed out that uh, most most blacks are not criminals, therefore they will not um, have an encounter with the law um, in a sense that it would be negative. But that tends to be what the focus in and, and what the conversation, what the focus is, and what the conversation tends to go towards. Um, why don't you pick back up on that, Andrew, in terms of the um, the expectation um, that people may have when they encounter law enforcement, when they have, as you pointed out, a, a certain jaded uh, perspective or idea to begin with. Does that somewhat exacerbate the problem? Well, I certainly believe it exacerbates the problem, but I'll, I'll expand on that just a little bit more. But I think what Stephanie was referring to and talking about with blogs, I'd also like, again, refer back to history and just reading, knowing about what has happened in the development of a nation and nations. I'm pretty sure you've heard of town criers. I'm pretty sure the last time I was in Chicago, I've driven down one of those streets, 70-something street, and I see guys standing on the corner talking and preaching about their brand of philosophy relative to religion and, 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 and philosophical things, this and that nature, and they're passing out literature no more than what a blogger does. What you have to do is take all of that information with a grain of salt. That is the beauty of this type of system is that anyone, and you can go to certain places in, uh, in England where that is just manifest. You'll see people standing up on their ladders trying to get their point across, and people have to discern what is good information from bad information, what is the credibility of this person talking relative to the other, and then if you fast forward to today, you will see the exact same thing stands with a blogger. Some bloggers have legitimacy and some bloggers are not worth two dead flies. That is up to the public to determine that. And, again, coming back to the jaded component part, tapping that back into what you just asked, is that if people, and, 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 and I'm going to preface this, I realize that most people won't do it. Because, again, if it, I've heard Stephanie say this before, and I've been knowing it for years, if it bleeds, it leads. That means the the, the media will start slanting what they contribute to the populace based off of what the populace wants. Mm. Now, the media probably used to be slanted a little bit more where they just reported the news, but along the way people wanted a little bit more sensation involved with it. Again, it, it ever, no one wants to read about the dog biting man, but let a man bite a dog and everyone wants to read about it. So they'll sensationalize it. You'll see editorials expanding more and taking positions here and there. But, again, things are cyclical as well. So it goes back again to knowing history, what has happened, being comprehensive about history, because things have been sensationalized before. They've been reeled back in. They've been sensationalized with other decades. They've been reeled back in. So you'll probably get some level of it being reeled back in as things go to a climax. But hopefully people like this lady who wrote the article, again, I would preference to say everything that she talked about was based off of her shortcomings, not about social media, things of that nature. And now she's in the process of reaching some level of maturity, hopefully, so now she can reel herself back in and get her children and her husband and whoever else is in her immediate surroundings to start asking for more solid information before they take a position because that position that they take from social media could be detrimental to them. But, again, it all gets back to what are you prepared to do. It's not on the person trying to sell it to you. Again, it's about what do you have to fortify and to protect yourself against the snake oil salesman. Yeah, I think you and Stephanie make some great points uh, relative to um, how we how we process information. More importantly, how we consume the information. Um, because you, you you take you talk about the social media aspect of it. Andrew, Andrew, I heard you mention about the sensationalization of um, news reports and things of that nature. But what is there to gain? From that, or is it that news is being more sensationalized because all of us are media makers now? <laughs> you know, we have these devices in our hands, and we can record anything, upload it to Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Instagram, and there you have it, right? So, um, is that is that the nature of the sensational um, the sensationalization of news stories today? Is it because we all are media makers? Well, it, it gets back to your expectation as a populist on what you will take in and what you want. 
they can sensationalize and put out all type of information that they want. But as soon as I see it or it comes across my news feed or I see it on an article when I read the various papers in the morning that I try to read and skim, there are things that I immediately overlook and know from being exposed, from reading, understanding history, trying to build my intelligence base that I know immediately that the stuff is not worth two cents to read. So I bypass it. So I'm not being impacted by it. I know that if something happens with someone getting killed by a police officer, I know that I should wait to get the information from the findings and get the facts together before I make a position. But that has gone on since time immemorial. Right now we know this is African, mostly African-American program, but if you go back and just think about the Scottsboro boys, who were innocent men accused of rape, the, 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 the people that wanted to hang them, they did not take the time to find out what the facts were. They did just what we're accusing African-Americans of at this particular point in time, and those were white people in those towns. They rushed to judgment, and they went to hang those men. They wanted to do something to them because, again, this is a human dynamic, but we're focusing on African-Americans at this particular point, and the article I believe you wrote uh, that you quoted was about someone white. So everyone gets caught up in it, but it gets caught up in it across decades, across centuries, and across a millennium. Because I'm not a religious man, but I believe when they ask, did you want Barabbas or Jesus, most of the people said they wanted Barabbas to be saved, not Jesus. And here's the king of kings. People wanted to go with the guy that they felt good about. Yeah, excellent point, excellent point. Uh, Andrew, we have roughly about eight minutes left in the conversation here, so we're bringing it home here. Um, when you Can we be misled? I think you're talking about uh, how we can be misled if we're not careful in terms of sorting um, sorting through the various news feeds and understanding the uh, the sources that we tend to rely on and things of that nature. But speak, of, speak, of, uh, speak about it from this perspective. Can we be misled by our own experiences and expectations Expectation to the point that we find it difficult to move past where we are because sometimes we form opinions just based upon our own personal experiences but um, it might not it might not necessarily dovetail well on the on the macro level what's your thoughts about well that? It, well it, it, it goes back to perception is reality for each individual, no matter how well-read you are, no one is perfect, and what you do is try to minimize what's happening. But it goes back to an old saying from an old gentleman, a friend of mine's grandfather, who didn't say exactly correct, but it drives on the point. It, it, his statement was, it's not what it is, it's what it looks like. So when people look at information, they hear information, and they are grounded in certain levels of information, they will make determinations based on that. So, so if you, I don't know if you followed the Sandra Bland situation in Texas. The young lady, I think she was, she's from Naperville, Illinois, uh, suburb outside of Chicago. Um, she was arrested, I believe, Friday, um, based upon a traffic stop, and she was, and she died in custody. So now, social media again is doing what social media does, and now people have questions. Not only do people have questions, they have it's the whole accusation and blame game. Is that what you're talking about when you're talking about it's not it's not what it is, it's what it looks like, and based upon people's personal experiences. Can you read any of that in that particular story? I can re certainly read some of that. And, again, it goes back to what I said before. I don't know the details, and I don't think they've released a lot of the details, but I will take a different position just so everyone won't think I'm just beating people up, that there is some level and some semblance of possible things that are credible that you should be suspicious about. The history shows that. That is another reason I stay neutral. I'm not saying the policing are, are guilty. I'm not saying that something couldn't have transpired in there where it could make a reasonable, deductive position on determining that, the, there, that there was a reasonable cause for the young lady to possibly die. It could have been health issues-wise and things of that nature. We don't know yet, but I'll take that middle position. But we also know that police have killed people in jail. We know that police have mistreated people in jail. So that is the, also the beauty 
of this social media media thing is that it provides a check and balance that you just can't get away with doing this to people without there being some level of backlash. So the beauty, if you want to look at the beauty of Ferguson, is that it says to the people that run the country and or in policing and in power positions that we are keeping an eye on you because we don't have a, we're not, it's not a serfdom. We are watching you and you just can't run amok on us. But at the same time, I think we also should be civil as well because particularly if you're African-American, they ran in and they hung us or hung our ancestors with no evidence whatsoever. And I don't think we should be the same ones doing that to others. So we should try to wait to get information. And if it's strong enough and if it really means something to you, whether or not she died a week ago or two months from now when they get all the evidence, if you are really livid about it, that being upset about it should manifest itself at that same time and people can take action against the policing agencies after we find out what the facts are. Mm, great point. And during 60 seconds, we have roughly about four minutes left in the discussion here. As African-Americans, right, as, um, how, do we, how do we face society's imperfection as we talked about police brutality and police um, police misconduct, and, and also uh, thinking about Sandra Bland, how do we face this as a country, as a nation? Um, these various imperfections within our system and things just happening, and still find purpose and beauty um, in life. How do you how do you how do you process all this information and still find the will to move forward and, and find purpose? The, the, the way that you do that is that you recognize, if you really pay attention to what the facts are, is that our lives, our standard of living, our quality of living is exemplary. There are no other people on this planet in other countries, nation, states, tribes, or whatever you are dedic- uh, dedicated, that live the quality of life that we have. Even our impoverished, impoverished, I'm sorry, live a lifestyle that's better than the overwhelming majority of people that live on this planet. Now, what what does that say about being in poverty? Certainly you don't want to be in poverty because you have to live uh, next door to someone who's living extremely well. But you must take into consideration this system provides you the greatest opportunity to advance whatever you can do in life so that you can extract some positivity out of this thing. So once you weigh those things out, you shouldn't be overwhelmed with the idea that there are shortcomings. I wanted to be the center for the Chicago Bulls. I am six foot tall. I have to keep living. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, definitely appreciate you joining the conversation and uh, appreciate your words of wisdom there as we close out. Folks, remember seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. That is the number to call each and every Sunday, five thirty. You get your thoughts, views, and opinions heard. Folks, we had a very, very interesting uh, conversation today. Had a very interesting conversation today, folks. Finding perfection and purpose in a world of imperfection. Protecting your vision and managing expectation in the age of social media. Folks, remember, MTAS is a community that believes in collective efforts towards intellectual enrichment. The community in which we live, the society in which we reside, is the community and society that we create. I am responsible. You are responsible. We are able to respond. Folks, join us online. That's www.m-tas.org. Folks, be sure to visit the resource tab. Get much-needed information about protecting your families with the freedom, comfort, and security that life insurance provides. Folks, as we talk about finding perfection in a world of imperfection, finding purpose, folks. I can't think of a better purpose than making sure that we have our make make sure that our families are financially protected and financially secure. Call my office seven seven three eight eight one nine five 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 seven seven three eight eight one nine five 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 for your life insurance needs and concerns. Remember, this hour is being brought to you by John Green's Agency of American Family Insurance. Folks, until next week, we can continue the conversation online. You know how to reach us. Continue to be good to yourselves and good to your families. Take care.